Well, none of this has to do with today's topic today. Yeah, what <laughs> what the shit is today's topic? I got the email that was like eels. It said eels like multiple times. Like eels, eels, eels. Okay, I was like, I feel like it said eels, eels, eels. And I was like, did I just make that up? Or is that what it really said? But that's what it really said. Yeah, it's about eels today. We're talking about eels. Welcome to Sex with Ghosts. I'm Molly, here today with my co-host, Bridget. Hello. But also, we have special guest, Alex Cater. He is the first three-time guest we've had here on Sex with Ghosts. Hell yeah. That's awesome. If we guys send him a special jacket, I think. Oh, yeah. I need, I need to be in the three-timers club. He's in the three-timers club. Yeah. The first member. <laughs> awesome. Does that make you the president? Yeah, it does. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> I'm I'm honored. We're honored to have you. Oh, thank you. Before we get into the topic, I want to ask Bridget what she knows, because Alex was the one who introduced me to the topic. He was the one who brought up all these crazy things. So I don't think Bridget knows what we're talking about. No idea. What do you know about eels? They're tasty. Yes. Anything else? Anything. And they look terrible and frightening. I think they came up during the Loch Ness episode as a possibility for Loch Ness. Although now the plesiosaurus thing, just a little FYI recently in the news here, they say the plesiosaurus may be possibility because they lived in fresh water at some point somewhere on Earth. Mm. But um. I honestly don't know a lot about eels. I remember as a kid, right? That was like in every cartoon and every child's show was like, oh, I got electrocuted by eels. So it really only goes as far as great sushi could electrocute you and maybe the original Loch Ness. Those are probably the three top things I know about eels. <laughs> That's about what I knew as well before Alex informed me. <laughs> I watched one TED talk and, and I brought up some weird stuff about eels. Feels like a cult. Let me tell you about eels. Have you heard of our <laughs> heard Lord and eels? Savior eels? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Interestingly enough, some of the articles I did read did refer back to TikToks about eels. So you must not be on eel TikTok. I am not on <laughs> eel TikTok, unfortunately. That's, oh my God, I got to get on eel TikTok. I wish my algorithm was that way. Possibly after this episode, I will find myself on eel TikTok. I don't think it's necessary because I'm pretty much going to cover everything. They do. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> good, good. As long as maybe that's better. I don't want to screw with my algorithm too much. Yeah, don't do it. Alex, do you want to cover some of the topics that you introduced me to? I'll introduce a little bit, like just the tertiary covering of what I know. Uh, and I'm sure that you have more in-depth information. I know that a long time ago, they used to believe there were like five to seven different species of eel. And through modern science and tracking, they found out that they're all just different life stages of the same creature. Oh. But also, they have not found out how they breed. Nobody knows how they reproduce. I only know <laughs> from the videos I've seen that all of the eels in the world go to the Bermuda Triangle, swim into it, and then more eels swim out of it. <laughs> and they don't know what the fuck is happening. Oh, my God. I am 100% into this. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like... Turns out there's 5,000 different species. I feel like that's always what you hear in these conversations. It's one species and nobody knows how they reproduce. Yes. And they go to the Bermuda Triangle. All of them in the world. I am fully in. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's all I know. And they can't get them to breed in captivity. They don't know how they reproduce. They just know that they swim. They all swim to the Bermuda Triangle. They go into like a big marshy place where they can't explore. Humans can't explore. And then the more eels than went in come out. And that's all. So are they like aliens? I have no fucking clue. I am so into this. I can't even explain how turned I am right now. <laughs> this is like exactly. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I saw eels, 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 and I was like, "What shit is this? Are we doing a science hour?" But no, it's already spicy. We don't know how they're reproducing. They're going to the Bermuda Triangle. Mm-hmm. They could be aliens. I am a hundred percent on board. I mean, they look bizarre. They're a bizarre looking creature. Yes, they just look like squiggles. Yeah, yeah, and like all their life cycles look completely different. Like each stage of their life is like so different. That's why they thought they were all different species because they look so different. They like act so different, like throughout their whole life cycle. It's crazy. How are people not talking more about eels? I I don't know. That's the extent of my knowledge of the weirdness of eels. I'm sure there's more. There is. My stuff is is definitely going to be more science hour, but I'm going to try to (laughs) include more fun things. Well, I I think Alex and I can add some species spiciness, (laughs) I I believe, if we look at past episodes. We'll ask the important questions. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. So I did go on the lookout for are all eels the same species? Okay. The problem is that oftentimes what we categorize as eels, they're actually fish. Okay. So those things aren't eels. Okay. I have a quick question. Yes. And I don't know. It's going to sound off topic, but I'm just curious. So in The Little Mermaid, were those eels or were those fish? I think they, let me see. Let me see. I love how this is probably somewhere in your notes because yes, you definitely yes. look like you're like, oh, I've got this written down. Yes, I, ha- I have a, a note about this. What were their names like Etson and Jetson or something? Flotsam <laughs> and Jetsam, which is uh, good names to know because they could come up on your SATs, oh. <laughs> high schoolers who are going to college. <laughs> we do have a small high school demographic. I've seen it in the pie chart. I would imagine. Um, actually, I don't. We can circle back. We, can yes, circle we back. might have to circle back on that one. Okay, so if I'm getting what you're saying correctly, most things that people call eels or things like that are classified or people think are eels are just fish. Yes. But there's one creature that's actually an eel, kind of like little koala bears aren't really bears. Right. We call them bears. So like there's like a bunch of things that we call eels, but they're not true eels. I don't know. I don't know if I can say that. Actually, let's just cut this. We'll we'll hold this conversation for later. We'll circle back. Yes, we're going to circle back to that. We've got a lot to circle back to. <laughs> yeah, we have our pins up. <laughs> Here are some of the main reasons why most people consider the eel the most mysterious creature on Earth. Ooh, I was going to say that's an interesting designation. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of creatures. <laughs> yeah, and scientists know the least about eels. Okay. Which is very Sex with Ghosts on brand because we talk often about how we know so little about the ocean. Oh, yes. That is a hot topic here. Every time you look at this stuff, it's like, and people don't know because the ocean is vast. No one knows. Stop building rockets. Start building submarines, you assholes. Elon, I know you listen. James Cameron's got it going on. James Cameron knew. (laughs) Knows? I guess he's not dead. (laughs) We will have to look at whether we want that after I do my little speech, because there is some negatives to that as well. To ocean exploration? Well, just think about once you start that, then you just go down the road of capitalism. Mm, That's true. Right. Save it for after the revolution. (laughs) After you hear what I have to say, you would not believe that these people would be doing it for a good reason oh yeah i feel like that's how most discoveries are made it was like uh we were trying to make money doing this skim scam scheme and uh, we just happened to figure out that this rare mushroom grows here <laughs> yep exactly Yeesh. but uh they are sacred to native people especially the maori of new zealand but also the wabanaki people of Maine. 
Oh. You can find a 5,000-year-old eel weir on the Sebastica River in Maine. I don't know how they know it's 5,000 years old. That's quite old. But they do somehow. So the eel itself, it exists in a, in a more global sense. I guess I originally was thinking that, and I, maybe I'm piggybacking off both what Alex said and that I've only seen eel exist in like Asian cuisine, that I was thinking they must primarily exist in one part of the world, but that's not true. They have a global presence. They do. They really do. And like, this is all hypothesis too, but we know that like what we call like the European eel and the American eel are both supposedly spawning in the Bermuda Triangle, which is also known as the Sargasso Sea. Okay. They have tagged eels in the Pacific and they found them going back to an area near Fiji. So I do think that there are just like a couple of areas, but no one really knows. Right. Weird. Great. Love it. Still still very weird. Yes. <laughs> the weirder, the better. <laughs> yes. And also eels are kind of a cash cow in today's economy. So that always introduces a fun new element to the eel. Now, is it a cash cow because of culinary or is there something that the eel does? That we should all be aware of. <laughs> no, it is because the demand is higher than the supply. Mm. Oh, okay. Like the octopi. Yep. It was funny because when Alex mentioned this to me, and then we were talking about this podcast, and then I was like, oh, it's because Bridget thinks octopi are aliens. <laughs> <laughs> they are. We need to go down that hole together, but <laughs> it's all this farming business. That's why I'm talking about a lot more is because... They are so close to just farming octopus, octopi, mm -hmm. and they're not a creature that should at all be farmed. And then the more you learn about them, the more it's like, we shouldn't even be eating them. Right. Which I'm hoping is the case with the eel today. I do believe Molly and I had talked about this a little bit. Um, we, we have a mutual friend who does not eat eel specifically. I think Molly was saying it was for environmental reasons, but like maybe something else as well. After doing my research, it definitely seems like it is kind of an environmental reason because eels are on the endangered species list. Whoa. Oh, wait, I apologize. And no, I, I won't circle back to it. I'll just do it right now. In America, it is not on the Endangered Species Act list. One of the latest attempts was in 2015. However, it has been listed as endangered on the International Union for Conservation of Nature's Red List of Threat Species since 2012. Oh. And the United States has acknowledged that the population has decreased significantly and it is like a concern. So it's like one step below it. But if you have any environmental activists out there, that's something that sounds like is going to be up and coming where people are acting like, hey, pay attention. Don't overfarm eels, overfish eels. Overfish, yeah. I would assume that the reason that they're not on the endangered species list in America is somebody is making money on it. Yes, actually. Oh, twist. I love it. Even in the fourth century BC, Aristotle pondered the question where do eels come from? <laughs> that's how you know it's epic <laughs> aristotle had eels in his mouth i got a lot of this information from a pbs documentary by a man named james prosek he is an artist his interest is mostly artistic hmm. but eels captured his imagination somehow yes everybody's gotta have a thing you know yeah <laughs> yeah so I started this, and as the listeners know, I've been doing Toastmasters and thinking a lot about public speaking. You know, we do a podcast, we talk, we think about speaking. Despite how bad we are. <laughs> oh. I mean, mostly me, mostly me. Well, so he was like the most boring speaker. This artist guy? 
Yes, yes. Okay. But then I thought, wait a second. Is that what people want out of nature documentary? <laughs> <laughs> so you you watched this documentary? Yes. Like, I think it was kind of trying to be the calm, like, nature talker. But, like, coming at it from a public speaking view, it was like, wow, you are boring. <laughs> but, you know, okay, you, you've mentioned he is an artist. Yes. And he's chosen eels as his cause. I am willing to believe this guy comes from money and he's a trust fund kid. And he's like, you know what people aren't talking about? Eels. Eels are going to be my thing. And my mom and dad are going to pay the bills or probably dad. Let's be real. We live in a patriarchy. And so he can be boring because he's funding everything. You know, what's funny is somebody put together a documentary about as you said, the most mysterious creature on the planet and still was so boring <laughs> that, that Molly had to bring it up and let us know pointedly, this dude is boring as fuck. This dude will put you to sleep even though he's talking about something <laughs> incredibly interesting. I was, just, I was just a little disappointed by the quality of documentary. It's because you know he went to PBS and he was like, look, no one's buying my work, but I could do some branding on PBS <laughs> and dad can write it off. Yeah, it's very possible. It was, it was surprising. PBS isn't known to be spicy. So <laughs> yeah, <I can't. laughs> that's what I was thinking too. Like, wait, I mean, have you guys not watched the Downton Abbey? <laughs> <laughs> Is that from PBS? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the BBC, PBS, I think there's some sort of relationship there. Masterpiece theater. But uh, I'm going to be honest. I was going to make a huge joke about how spicy Downton Abbey is, but it's not. <laughs> you're watching that because you're stoned and you just like to watch what poor people used to do for rich people. Ooh. Well, that's also what I was thinking about with the eel thing. Like, they just have a bunch of stoners watching this. <laughs> <laughs> just zoning out going like, man, eels. Whoa. Eels, fuck. <laughs> so here's some qualities of an eel. They are snake-like. They hide in crevices. They are nocturnal. Sounds like the cat of the sea. Cat of the sea. Yeah, I can see that. Mysterious. Snake-like, <laughs> hiding in crevices, nocturnal. I forgot to bring this up. My formative years, I did competitive swimming, and my swim team was called the Iowa City Eels. Hmm. So you would really think that I would know more about eels, but I know <laughs> nothing about eels. You're like, yeah, I've heard of eels. Put me in, coach. <laughs> <laughs> because this is something I didn't know. Did you know that eels can swim forward and backwards? Oh. Is that weird? Wait, can most fish do that? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, maybe. I don't know really anything about most fish and the way they decide to swim. <laughs> I think most stuff goes forward. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, I didn't realize. Like, I thought that was real crazy. I mean, it could be. I'm just saying as a person who's mostly lived around landlocked areas and have very little experience with actually spending time with actual fish. <laughs> I don't know what fish norms are. I don't know. It's a good question. Some other fun facts is they can travel over land if it's wet enough. Whoa. Really? I thought like mudskippers were the only like fish-like creatures that could really traverse land. But like eels can just just skither across the land. I guess. It's like a slip and slide for them to think about it. <laughs> it yeah. yeah, as long as it's wet enough. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's key. what she said. <laughs> <laughs> they do, as we spoke about on um, Loch Ness Monster, form balls. Oh, yeah, come together to like move over obstacles, thus looking like a larger creature. Yes, looking like a larger creature. That's what came up with Loch Ness. I did not know that. Like, they'll, like, use teamwork? Yeah. <laughs> they do team building activities. I didn't know they were social creatures. Like, I knew that. I just thought they were more, like, isolated or solitary creatures. But, like, if they're, like, using teamwork, that's very strange. Yeah. Oh, are they isolated creatures? Well, yeah, it, it definitely could be related to, like, specific times in the life cycle. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have teamwork, like, on an everyday basis. But during certain points of their life, they are going to 
be in masses. Mm. Man, I relate to that so hard. <laughs> the cool thing about eels, well, one of the many, many cool things about eels is that these freshwater eels, they live in the rivers and stuff. They are born in the ocean in the salt water and come in to live their life and then go back out to do their breeding thing. Isn't that like what salmon do? Yes. So they, are they cousins of the salmon? No, because it's it's actually the opposite of a salmon. So what the salmon does is they come into the rivers to spawn and then go back out to live their lives. Oh, okay. Whereas the eel spawns in the salt water and lives their life in the fresh water. It's like they're trading places. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the eels are reverse salmon. Salmon. That makes sense. Salmon are pink. That's like good. And eels aren't eels black, so they're like evil. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, don't do that. Don't that's say like... that. Don't say that. Wait, uh... what? No. I didn't mean I meant like Darth Vader black. <laughs> no, Jesus. but but still that's that's still using the cognitive bias. Oh, yes. But yes. I mean, that's where the joke is. But I still now feel like a racist. So. Yes. That. So an adult female, supposedly, and I say these things because like, that's what it wrote. But like, after doing all the research, they don't really know this. But it's kind of hypothesized that they lay up to 10 million eggs. And I'll, I'll discuss that a little bit later. Oh, yeah, I got a lot of questions, but I'll wait. It's a lot of egg. It's only once in their life. So once they go back to the spawning ground after living their lives in the river and coming back to the ocean, they die. Oh, oh that's kind of sad. Yeah. So they only have like one clutch of babies and they're done. I want to see that Pixar movie. <laughs> oh, no. Like the eel is like, I got to go drop off the eggs. <laughs> and then we don't know what happens after. <laughs> All right. I'm going to the triangle, everybody. Wish me luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's a really dark Pixar movie. Isn't that kind of like Pixar's thing? Yeah, it's like it is. Doing really dark stuff and make it seem like it's fun and goofy. And also now that all of us are adults, like that's totally something we would do. <laughs> <laughs> nostalgia. Pixar nostalgia people. Make the eel story. Make the eel. Hashtag make the eel story. <laughs> So we know that the freshwater eel is born in the ocean because larva has been found in the ocean thousands of miles away from any shore. Oh, so when you say larva, is it more of an insect birth than a fish birth? Or does fish have a larva stage? You know what? I That's a good question. I always, I guess when I see lar, larva, I was thinking frog. Oh, like amphibious. Yeah. No human has ever witnessed a wild eel spawning um, unless they died and didn't record. <laughs> a human might have, but they didn't live to tell the tale. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people who are like, I'm going to go explore this ocean. <laughs> he never heard from them again. And the eels were like, hey, you saw something you weren't supposed to. Exactly. The eels came for them <laughs> and electrocuted them. Sad, but true. Okay, that's a good question. Is the electric eel the eel we're talking about, or is that a fish? Oh. Yeah, no, it's a fish. An electric eel is a fish. Does it produce electricity? Yes. Okay, just curious. We don't have to, we don't, we can save that for another yeah, episode. That's different. <laughs> so the electric eel is one of those things that's like not really the eel. Yeah. Okay, it's just, a, it's a fish that people thought was eel-ish. But since it's like not related, it's a con artist, gotcha. <laughs> confish, a confish. Even a baby hatched eel was originally classified as a separate species. Oh, because it looks so different and it doesn't seem to be the same thing, even though it is. Can I look up a picture really quick of a baby a eel? Baby eel. I'm writing things like every now and again. And I did write the sentence if octopus are aliens, are eels octopus cats? Oh, I like yeah. where your head is at. <laughs> so if octopi came from another planet, maybe eels are their pets. 
Yeah, I like this. See, I'm just, I like to, I'm just putting ideas in Bridget's head. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go down some holes. Okay, so there is like a lar. Okay, so I looked up the definition of larva, like a nerd, mm. and it's basically like. Between the egg and the pupa stage, papas. No, you say pupa. Pupa, yeah, yeah. Pupa, yeah. And so it's not a fully formed, but you've hatched. Mm-hmm. And now I found a great drawing of what. So the community thing, we were talking about them being a huge clump. Mm-hmm. It looks like spawning eels. <laughs> this is like someone's artist rendition of the spawning of an eel or what the life cycle of the eels look like here so can you guys see that yeah yes so you have like the eggs the larva oh yeah sure glass eel which looks like it must be clear or lighter colored the elver and so the elver in the f- adult version of the eel is in the freshwater in the sea we have the eggs the larva glass eel is in between and the spawning eels. So that's where we have like the big mass, the big orgy of eels. (laughs) Yes. We think. And do look up glass eel because they do look very cool in some pictures. Is that a clear? I assume it's clear because of the name. Yeah. And that's the one they thought were a totally different species, right? Yes. Okay. Let's see if I find a good picture. From what I saw in the video that I saw, when they thought they were a different species, they eventually, because they like would only find glass eels closer to the the triangle or the spots where they think they spawned the triangle or exactly, yeah. Like glass eels are around those spots. And by the time they get to fresh water, they've matured, right? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Glass eel looks like every picture of sperm you've ever seen. <laughs> like it looks like they drew on faces on this <laughs> like, picture. Like but I, I, I think those are <laughs> eyes. Actual I don't think those eyes, are yeah. I don't think this is looks like a real website. So <laughs> but it definitely looks like little sperms. Yeah. But they must be much bigger than sperm. Oh, yeah. Here's a close up. <laughs> I mean, they're not. Well, yeah, I guess they're much bigger than sperm, but they're they're like smaller than like a worm. Yeah. Right. They're tiny. The worm sperm. I just wanted to say those two words together. <laughs> but sorry, Molly, <laughs> please go. on. No, that's all right. Here are some more mysteries of the eel. They no one knows what triggers an eel to go anywhere. Unlike salmon, they don't go back to where their parents came from. Okay. Well, at least not that we know of. They don't know what triggers when you enter fresh water from salt water. And they also don't know what triggers the gender once they enter the fresh water. So they definitely do have gender. They do, yes. But not until they enter the fresh water? But not until they enter the freshwater. And there's like no genetic markers or anything that they found that like nope. that they could tell will like predict yep. the genderization of when they enter the fresh. That's very strange. But I feel like ocean gender is already like <laughs> ocean more <laughs> more of a mixed bag than any other species. It's like yeah, seahorses accepting eggs. You got uh, fish changing genders based on what they need like hey we need more females yeah okay i'll do it for the team (laughs) so like i feel like ocean gender is already like more fluid than any other gender i think that's fair it could be exactly like that like oh we need more female eels all right all right great i'll make eggs how does that message like get relayed to them as they are entering fresh water? Like, how do they know that's the question what they need more of? And they're not like, e- do eels like change gender after they've been like genderized after they're entering fresh water? Do they stay the same gender? Do they know? And what are the microplastics doing? Well, they they definitely don't know because there's just so many things we don't know about eels. Right. Okay, so my question about they're not knowing what triggers them to go right to go breed mm-hmm. is there not like a like an eel rutting season like where all the eels vacate or is it just like just going at random times or is it like all like a constant rotation of like eel spawning is there not like a time of year they usually breed there is a time of year that they usually breed 
but because we know that it's only once in their lifetimes Mm -hmm. and the eels are just like all over the eel world okay and like only some of them are the ocean molly (laughs) okay so not like once a year all adult eels go it's like for some reason some adult eels go and they don't know what triggers some to go and some not to yes exactly okay if i was a venture capitalist i'm throwing my money at the eels (laughs) (sighs) well we might find out that some of them probably do Ooh. Tease. Before we get to that, there is one thing we do know about eels, which is very helpful, which is that all eels, even the baby eels, the glass eels and the larva, they have crystals of iron, which are magnetite in their brains, which are suspected to be able to be sensitive to magnetic direction. Yeah, that's why they say if you have a sense of direction, you probably have more iron. I think at some point I heard or read it's like in your nose, but I'm a person without direction. I don't think I have any iron. So I am totally on this iron idea. Are you anemic? I don't know. Maybe I've (laughs) never been tested. I'm not going to get tested unless I have to. Come on. Healthcare is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what you're saying is like eels are kind of compasses a little bit. Yes, but scientists really don't know how that works. They just know that it's there. Okay. It's just like the limestone. I think we need to do also more research on limestone and iron. So is this a, like a rare thing in creatures? Is it like a, like eels have it and not a whole lot of other creatures do? Hmm, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Okay. But they definitely mentioned it when I was looking at eel, so I feel like it is... Relatively rare, at least. Yeah. Okay. It has a lot of implications. Right. They could spin them around and they're always point north. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's implications, Alex. <laughs> implications. There, there were implications. So, as I was saying before... The eel demand worldwide is extremely high, mm. and the population of eels continues to fall. Right. People really like eel that much? Yes. Oof. Just think about it like this. How much sushi did you eat in the 90s compared to now? <laughs> 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 well, now... The whole reason I know what eel tastes like is actually because Molly worked at a sushi restaurant in college <laughs> and they served some eel. And that's how I got an eel. But to be honest, since then, I probably have eaten very little eel because now when I go to a sushi restaurant, I'm like, I really should be eating the fresh fish because that's the whole point of sushi. It's not the cooked fish and you have to cook eel. I will say I have eaten eel on a number of occasions but i am <laughs> rethinking that now oh yeah now i'm done with you yeah i'm kind of done with it now like this has kind of really changed my perspective on it yes unfortunately i have more and more information about how you probably won't need you Oof. but i am surprised that it's so popular because i don't think i've ever heard anyone i mean of all the times i've gone out to eat sushi with people or worked in a restaurant like octopus comes up. Yeah. The octopus freaks. The octopus heads out there. Right. They are vocal. Eel heads. <laughs> You're not so vocal. And now even more. So now that we're learning about the eel, you better stay silent. You're right, though. I've never heard anybody say their favorite food is eel. <laughs> yeah. I've heard people be like, oh, I eat octopus. I'm so bad. I'm right. so bad. Never heard eel come up. So that must, I feel like it must affect some populations more than others or certain niche, like sushi. Like if you worked at a sushi restaurant in 2022, you probably have a lot of opinions about yield. (laughs) I don't even know that exists. (laughs) This is just my observations from the 2010s (laughs) in a college town in Iowa. Working at the sushi restaurant, there were what we might call like a stereotypical uh, sorority girl. (laughs) What we might call, air quotes. 
she might eat a lot of California rolls and unagi rolls because they're just very easy to eat. They're very tasty. They don't taste a lot of fish. Mm. But she loves to say that she loves sushi. She loves it. Ashley loves sushi. <laughs> you are demolishing like an entire demographic right now. You know, and it's really unfair and of me. I think if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you know where you stand. And there's no shame. Live your best life. Yeah, you should eat what you want to eat. But you know where you're at. Basically, what you're saying is like, there are people who say they love sushi, but will only choke down a California roll. But they say they love sushi because it's it's real trendy. I'm, yeah, and and I think that that is a old person take. And I think the uh, God, I need what are they called again? The Fuck. Gen Z. Woo, yeah, Gen Z just left left my brain for a second. Gen Z isn't like that, but this no, was this Gen was Z's more of way a, cooler. Gen Z is like, yes. I only eat sustainable fish. Yeah, the this is back in the day. These are people who probably now eat lots of things. So. Like Gen Z was like, <laughs> I saw someone eat a fish that wasn't sustainable and I spit in their mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, there, there's a whole you. side of TikTok dedicated to eels. So eel talk. Eel talk. Well, and I think it is because, of, well, actually, maybe you should get on eel talk because it does seem, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it can be very mystical, which I'll talk about later. Get indoctrinated, Bridget. Go, yeah. go visit hey, them. Maybe. Tell us what it's like on the other yeah. side. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it for you guys. Specifically the European eel, which, I mean, we call it the European eel, but as we talked about before, it also spawns in the Sargasso Sea, Bermuda Triangle. So it's like, how is there even a difference? I don't know. No one knows. No one knows. But anyway, eels that live in Europe are critically endangered. So it is not even as bad as the ones that live in America. Wow. I just can't believe there's so many people who are eel crazy. Well, I watch the Great British Bake Off and... Do they use a lot of eel? No. Oh. <laughs> but there was one episode where they, back in the day, early seasons, they used to talk more about food in general and like, oh, these are the origins of these baked goods and stuff. And one of the episodes was on eel pies because that was a common food among uh, poor people in Britain. Mm. Because eels are, uh, well, before, back in the day, they were plentiful all over the rivers. Oh. So if you were a poor person, then you probably ate a lot of eel. Yeah, that makes sense. But nowadays, it's like a delicacy because it's been overfished. Isn't that the kind of same thing that happened with like crab and lobster, right? Because like... They used oh, to be yeah. sea bugs and like, like they would feed sea bugs to poor people. And then all of a sudden like it became scarce and now they're a delicacy and dipped in butter. Like, you know, it was like Al Capone or somebody that made lobster popular because that's what they were eating in prison. Mm. <laughs> and it was like lobster is awesome. And then it, because they were crossing that line of like knuckleheads in jail <laughs> and like hanging out with rich people. It was like this weird crossover of like people been like, oh, yeah, my, my friend over here, Al from Italy, he loves lobster. So I was thinking we should have lobster huh. with our uh, Rolls Royce here in the parking lot. Sounds like a great idea. Hmm. We'll talk about this a little more as well later, but also eel is very high in vitamins A and E. And it's a really good source of protein. So it's not a bad food to eat if it's plentiful in your seeds. Right. But probably not so good if being that it's endangered. Endangered. Yes. Eat carrots instead, folks. Yes. If we had been better about managing our fisheries, fishing, yes, it would have been better. Like, it's a good source of protein. There's a lot of them. It would have been great. Ah. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, well, we fucked it up. We fucked it up. Good job, everybody. So here's the consumer life cycle of an eel. Consumer? Yes, the consumer life cycle. So this isn't the eel life cycle because we really don't know that they were spawned. They, you know, go in the rivers, they come back, they spawn, they die. That's the eel life cycle. But this is a consumer eel life cycle. 
So the eel is born in the Sargasso Sea or the Bermuda Triangle. I think it's Sargasso. You know what? I didn't even look it up. I just assumed it was. Hmm. No, I think they said it on the, they must have said it on the documentary. But it was so boring you didn't pay attention. I was just going to say lean into it. <laughs> Probably better. We've never had anyone say that we said anything like shit. We've said a lot of things like shit. So thank you, dear listener, for being so kind about our bad pronunciations. Yes, that's very fair. So what happens then is that the glass eels are captured, fished in places like Maine and South Carolina. The documentary mentioned that those were the only places you could legally catch glass eels but when i went to fact check that i found you could obtain permits in florida and virginia so i think there's just like state regulations about harvesting glass eels oh and that's that's not a good eel i could tell you from an idiot's perspective you don't want to eat the glass eel in terms of sustainability because that is pre-spawn. Yes. So that's that's very bad. That's very bad in terms of sustainability. Well, <laughs> but the reason we're harvesting these glass eels is so we can export them to China and Taiwan. What the hell do they do with the glass eel? So they take the glass eel and then they they raise them in farms. So they figured out at least how to farm them from glass. Not get them to breed. But to, to nom nom, put in my belly. Yes, you need to get the glass eel from the source. They, right. they haven't figured out how to create a glass eel. But if you ship eels over to these farms, what they do is they create these uh, kind of tents of like a, like a hot box. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> what it is, it's like 100 degrees in these tents because... If you heat up the eel environment, then they will grow bigger. Oh, geez. So do they mature or are they just a bigger glass eel? No, they mature in these farms. Okay. So heat, look at us. We're scientists. Heat <laughs> affects their maturity. Check. I'm putting this in my notes so I can figure out the secret of the eel. <laughs> and then what happens is once they're raised to adults, then they're distributed back to the world. So presumably, the eel that you eat in America has been caught in America, sent to China and Taiwan, and then sent back to eat as eel. Huh. Oh, so they send them back to be eaten. That's a lot of shipping. Is that why? That's why it's so, I mean, one of the reasons it's very pricey is because that's a large, that's a long process. It is. It's a long, weird process where it's like, is it really helping things along? Or is it just shortcutting some things and being able to raise a price? It seems like a fake business. It's like an Amway <laughs> scheme. It's like a pyramid scheme. You thought you were going to go uh, look for eels? Well, guess what? I have a whole pool of eels. So all that money you're going to spend on like boats and nets, you just give that money to me and I give you the eels. And you say that they lay like, you said 10 million eggs. Like that's a lot. So like I'm assuming that they're fishing masses and masses of glass eels, right? Yes. I can imagine if like they just took a season or two off and just let them go. Yeah. It seems like with how many they spawn, we could revitalize the eel population pretty darn quick. Something similar with like oysters. Oysters popped off really hard and they were like, we have to take a couple seasons off just to get the numbers back that's uh sorry i'm having like a brain malfunction because of how problematic <laughs> this whole fishing system is it's bad we're not gonna let them reproduce we're just going to take the babies all, as many babies as we can find grow them up they don't reproduce and we sell them back so they they're literally preventing any sustainability yeah from the system that's really bad that's like a horrible system and they must be aware of it to some degree like even though we don't know the the whole cycle of the eel they have to at least know enough to know 
that at a glass eel stage, they're not reproducing. Right. It's that's bad. It's bad. It's kind of sick. Yeah. It gets worse. Oh, oh God. great. Perfect. Good. I thought that was a whew, fun. I was worried. I was like, this is dark, <laughs> but can it get darker? Because yeah. it's not only fishing and overfishing that causes the death of eels. We'll be talking about how dams also kill lots of eels every year. Oh. Dams do? Dams do. Like human constructed dams? Human constructed dams. Oh. Weird. But that's because they go back to the freshwater. So it makes sense. It's just weird that like, I thought, I guess in my very naive brain, I thought dams were more inland than that. You know what I mean? Like, we will find a fresh body of water before you hit a dam. Not the case. No. Like, they have a wide range. The same eel, the American eagle, is all up in, like, Canada, all the way down to Venezuela. So they're everywhere. If you think about it, like, there's probably eels in every river that is accessible to the ocean. That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. I'm very anti-dam. I know we've talked about dams before in this podcast, and... I just, I think I'm, I think I'm fully anti-dam. No more building new dams. From Hoover to Beaver. From Hoover to Beaver. Fuck them all. <laughs> stop building these fucking dams. Or just let the beavers build the dams is what I'm saying. But no more building dams for people to get water. People need to move. You shouldn't be living in a desert, you fucking idiots. <laughs> I'm saying that as a person who currently lives in a desert, but fucking idiots. I agree. I didn't agree when we last talked about dams, but now I definitely have a different opinion because it doesn't sound like many dams are doing the right thing when it comes to the wildlife. They fuck up more ecosystems and the only people they save are humans and humans don't even do it right. So it's kind of like a bummer. Sorry to bum everyone out. I, I didn't know that dams were so problematic. Oh, yeah. Well, because I thought like, oh, this makes sense. Like we're using, you know, hydroelectricity. Like, Mm -hmm. but that's recent. That's a recent part of the dam. Sure, sure. The original idea of the dam is we've built a city and now we need more land so we can change the water flow through a dam, which will also provide more water to Matthew says hi to both of you. Hello. Hi, Matthew. <laughs> Can you bring me a beer and close the door? <laughs> Molly is a modern woman. Yes. Uh, Molly's husband just came in and said hi, if that makes it in. But yeah, dams were created because people wanted more land and needed water to go to things that did not naturally occur in most This is the American story of the dam. I think with like Italy and France dams, that has been changed for so long that now the whole ecosystem is based on those changes. But in America, because it's relatively new, oh, we should do an episode on it sometime. But like (laughs) the Mulholland Dam, this guy convinced everyone he knew how to build a dam. He had little engineering experience. Ends up flooding a bunch of people and murdering them as a result. Jesus. And and because he told the city of L.A. he was sorry, everything's named after Mulholland. Dams are a human's way of trying to manipulate the landscape and changing the ecosystem. And I think that was before humans realized what kind of footprint they had. But now we're all aware. So now it's kind of like, why are we still doing this? Yes. Well, but harnessing nature to create electricity is still like a positive thing, you know? Right. But then build the windmills. And the ocean mills. And the ocean mills. Although, I mean, there are bird populations that are affected by the large windmills. and 
Sure that's to. Whole, okay, whole, Donald Trump. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't agree with that man. I'm just <laughs> Well, that's that's the thing. There's always going to be costs. So we just have to yeah. be very careful and weigh them. Who can we genocide the most? <sighs> I think the ants. And birds don't even exist. They're just robots built by the bourgeoisie. Exactly. So. But also, well, <laughs> another another TikTok trend. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I have some positive notes to end on, luckily. So <laughs> luckily, Molly will turn this ship around. Editor's note. Hey, listener. I ended up cutting this episode into two because we talked so much. Stay tuned for the next couple weeks for more eels. Alex, let, let people know where they can find you. Oh, I am. Uh, I'm in Michigan. Well, um, I... <laughs> uh i i do a podcast called shu where it's a interconnected superhero universe with four shows all taking place in the same canonical universe and i'm on twitter at happy puke you also are um i don't know if we can announce that can we announce that yeah i don't see why not (laughs) you want me to say it yeah i am going to be on vanguard of the veil a, I believe it's a geekly thing, yeah. Oh man, I thought at first you were like pregnant or something. <laughs> yes, I, I'm, you're like, can I'm I tell people now. is a fine uh, talk about? Um, yeah. Well, it's um, I think I think listeners of this podcast would be interested because it's all about uh, the paranormal and the uh, mysteries of the universe. Oh, we love that shit, don't we? Yeah. It's very good. And Fred. Another guest on the podcast that is DM the Mandela it. effect. Yep. And um Matthew, also a former guest, is also on it. So is it it's gonna be a good oh it already is a good podcast. It's it's very fun. <laughs> and they kind of have a rotating cast, so so it's very drivel. Yeah, I, I I guessed it on there a couple of times and now I'm gonna be uh on there more regularly. Nice. Yeah. How about you, Bridget? Uh, you can find me Twitter and Instagram at Bridget underscore socket. How about you, Molly? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Molly MM9. And, and you can find this podcast <laughs> Sex with Ghosts underscore. <laughs> you can show your support by giving us a five star review. Sorry, I have nuts in my mouth. Wherever you get this podcast. And you can show further support by going to patreon.com slash sex with ghosts. Yay. And see you next week. Bye. See you next week. Bye.